0: Dungeons and Dragons, Book 1, Men and Magic, by Gary Geigerts and Dave Arneson. Dedicated to all the fantasy war gamers who have enthusiastically played and expanded upon the chainmail fantasy rules, with thanks and gratitude, here is something better. Special thanks to the Midwest Military Simulation Association, the Lake Geneva Tactical Studies Association, Robert Kuntz and Tom Keogh in memoriam. Illustrations by Keenan Powell, Greg Bell, C. Corey, D. Arneson, T. Keogh and David Sutherland. Page 2. Index. Page 3. Forward. Once upon a time, long, long ago, there was a little group known as the Castle and Crusade Society. Their fantasy rules were published and to this writer's knowledge, brought about much of the current interest in fantasy wargaming. For a time, the group grew and prospered, and Dave Arneson decided to begin a medieval fantasy game for his active Twin Cities Club. From the map of the land of the Great Kingdom and environs, the territory of the Castle and Crusade Society, Dave located a nice bog wherein to nest the weird enclave of Blackmore a spot between the Great Kingdom and the fearsome Egg of Coot. From the chainmail fantasy rules, he drew ideas for a far more complex and exciting game, and thus began a campaign which still thrives as of this writing. In due course, the news reached my ears, and the result is what you have in your hands at this moment. While the Castle and Crusade Society is no longer, its spirit lives on, and we believe that all wargamers who are interested in the medieval period not just fantasy buffs, will enjoy playing Dungeons & Dragons. Its possibilities go far beyond any previous offerings anywhere. While it is possible to play a single game, unrelated to any other game events past or future, it is the campaign for which these rules are designed. It is relatively simple to set up a fantasy campaign, and better still, it will cost almost nothing. In fact, You will not even need miniature figures, although their occasional employment is recommended for a real spectacle when battles are fought. A quick glance at the equipment section of this booklet will reveal just how little is required. The most extensive requirement is time. The campaign referee will have to have sufficient time to meet the demands of his players. He will have to devote a number of hours to laying out the maps of his dungeons. And upper terrain before the affair begins, the third booklet of this set will be of great help in this respect, for a number of helpful suggestions regarding how to accomplish it all have been given in order to help you accomplish the task with a minimum of time and effort. There should be no want of players, for there is unquestionably a fascination in this ah, uh, oh, for there is unquestionably a fascination in this fantasy game, evidenced even by those who could not, by any stretch of the imagination, be termed ardent war gamers. The longevity of existing campaigns, notably Blackmoor in the Twin Cities and Greyhawk in Lake Geneva, and the demand for these rules from people outside these campaigns point towards a fantastic future. Tactical Studies Rules believes that all forms of wargaming fantasy will soon become the major contender for first place. The section of this booklet entitled Scope will provide an idea of just how many possibilities are inherent in Dungeons and Dragons. These rules are strictly fantasy. Those wargamers who lack imagination, those who don't care for Burroughs' Martian adventures where John Carter is groping through black pits, who feel no thrill upon reading Howard's Conan Saga, who do not enjoy the uh, decamp and prep fantasies of Fritz Lieber's... Oh my God. Farford and the Grey Mauser, pitting their swords against evil sorcerers will not be likely to find Dungeons & Dragons to their taste. But those whose imaginations know no bounds will find that these rules are the answer to their prayers. With this, as a bit, with this last bit of advice, we invite you to read on and enjoy a world where the fantastic is fact and magic really works. E. Gary Gygax, Tactical Studies Rules Editor. 1st November, 1973, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Introduction These rules are as complete as possible within the limitations imposed by the space of three booklets. That is, they cover the major aspects of fantasy campaigns but still remain flexible. As with any other set of miniatures rules, they are guidelines to follow in designing your own fantastic medieval campaign. They provide the framework around which you will build a game of simplicity or tremendous complexity. Your time and imagination are about the only limiting factors, and the fact that you have purchased these rules tends to indicate that there is no lack of imagination. The fascination of the game will tend to make participants find more and more time. We advise, however, as a game, that a campaign be begun slowly, following the steps outlined herein, so as to avoid becoming too bogged down with unfamiliar details at first. That way, your campaign will build naturally at the pace best suited to the referee and players, smoothing the way for all concerned. New details can be added and old laws altered so as to provide continually new and different uh, situations. In addition, the players themselves will interact in such a way as to make the campaign variable and unique, and this is quite desirable. If you are a player purchasing the Dungeons & Dragons rules in order to improve your situation in an existing campaign, you will find that there is a great advantage in knowing what is herein. If your referee has made changes in the rules and or tables, simply note them in pencil, for who knows when some flux of the cosmos will make things shift once again and keep the rules nearby as you play. A quick check of some rule or table may bring hidden treasure or save your game, quote, life, unquote. Men and Magic Book 1 details what characters can be played, potential limitations, oh potentials, limitations and various magic spells. Monsters and Treasures Book 2 describes the beasts and creatures which will be encountered as well as the kind and amount of treasures they are likely to guard, including magical items. Finally, The Underworld and Wilderness Adventures Book 3 tells how to set up and actually play the campaign. It is presented last in order to allow the reader to gain the perspective necessary, the understanding of the two preceding booklets. Read through the entire work and the order presented before you attempt to play. Scope. With the various equipage listed in the following section, Dungeons & Dragons will provide a basically complete, nearly endless campaign of all levels of fantastic medieval war game play. Actually, The scope need not be restricted to the medieval. It can stretch from the prehistoric to the imagined future, but such expansion is recommended only at such time as the possibilities in the medieval aspect have been thoroughly explored. The use of paper, pencil and map boards are standard. Miniature figures can be added if the players have them available and so desire, but miniatures are not required, only aesthetically pleasing. Similarly, unit counters can be employed, With or without figures, although by themselves the bits of cardboard lack the eye appeal of the varied and brightly painted miniature figures. Age level, 12 years and up. Number of players. At least one referee, and from 4 to 50 players can be handled in any single campaign, but the referee-to-player ratio should be about 1 to 20, or thereabouts. Recommended equipment. Dungeons and Dragons. You have it dice the following different kinds of dice one pair four-sided dice one pair eight-sided dice 4 to 20 pairs six-sided dice one pair 20-sided dice one pair 12-sided dice chainmail miniature rules latest edition and one three-ring notebook referee and each player graph paper Six lines per inch is best, sheet protectors, heaviest possible, three ring-lined paper, drafting equipment and coloured pencils, scratch paper and pencils. Imagination, one patient referee, players. Preparation for the campaign. The referee bears the entire burden here. But if care and thought are used, the reward will more than repay him. First, the referee must draw out a minimum of half a dozen maps of the levels of his underworld, people them with monsters of various horrid aspect, distribute treasures accordingly, and note the location of the latter two on keys, each corresponding to the appropriate level. This operation will be more fully described in the third book of these rules. When this task is completed, The participants can then be allowed to make their first descent into the dungeons beneath a huge ruined pile, a vast castle built by generations of mad wizards and insane geniuses. Before they begin, players must decide what role they will play in the campaign, human or otherwise, fighter, cleric or magic user. Thereafter, they will work upwards, if they survive, as they gain experience. First, however, it is necessary to describe fully the roles possible. Characters. There are three main classes of characters. Fighting men, magic users, clerics. Fighting men includes the characters of elves and dwarves and even halflings. Magic users includes only men and elves. Clerics are limited to men only. All non-human players are restricted in some aspects and gifted in others. This will be dealt with in the paragraphs pertaining to its non-human type. Fighting men? All magical weaponry is usable by fighters, and this in itself is a big advantage. In addition, they gain the advantage of more hit dice, the score of which determines how many points of damage can be taken before a character is killed. They can use only a very limited number of magical items of the non-weaponry variety, however, and they can use no spells. Top-level fighters, lords and above, who build castles are considered barons and as such they may invest in their holdings in order to increase their income. See the investment section of book 3. Base income for a baron is a tax rate of 10 gold pieces per inhabitant of the barony per game year. Magic users. Top level magic users are perhaps the most powerful characters in the game but it it is a long, hard road to the top and to begin with they are weak. So survival is often the question, unless fighters protect the low-level magic types until they have worked up. The whole plethora of enchanted items lies at the magic user's beck and call. Save the arms and armour of the fighters. See, however, elves. Magic users may arm themselves with daggers only. Wizards and above may manufacture for their own use, or for sale, such items as potions, scrolls, and just about anything else magical. Costs are commensurate with the value of the item, as is the amount of game time required to enchant it. Examples of costs are item, scroll of spells, cost 100 gold pieces, spell, spell level per week. A 5th level spell would require 500 gold pieces and 5 weeks. Potion of healing, 250 gold pieces plus 1 week. Potion of Giant Strength, 1,000 gold pieces plus four weeks. Enchanting 20 Arrows, 1,000 gold pieces plus four weeks. Enchanting Armour to plus one, 2,000 gold pieces plus two months. Wand of Cold, 10,000 gold pieces and six months. X-Ray Vision Ring, 50,000 gold pieces and one year. Research by magical types can be done at any level of experience, but the level of magic involved dictates the possibility of success, as well as the amount of money necessary to invest. Assume that a magic user can use a 4th level spell, explained later, therefore he could develop a new spell provided it was equal to or less than 4th level. All this will be explained fully in the section Dealing with Spells. Clerics Clerics gain some of the advantages from both of the other two classes, fighting men and magic users, in that they have the use of magic armour and all non-edged magic weapons, no arrows, plus they have numbers of their own spells. In addition, they are able to use more of the magical items than are the fighting men. When clerics reach reach the top level, Patriarch, they may opt to build their own stronghold and when doing so, receive help from... Quote, above, unquote. Thus, if they spend 100,000 gold pieces in castle construction, they may build a fortress of double that cost. Finally, faithful men will come to such a castle, being fanatically loyal, and they will serve at no cost. There will be from 10 to 60 heavy cavalry, 10 to 60 horsed crossbowmen, and 30 to 180 heavy foot. Note that the clerics of 7th level and greater are either law, or chaos, and there is a sharp distinction between them. If a patriarch receiving the above benefits uh, changes sides, all the benefits will immediately be removed. Clerics with castles of their own will have control of territory similar to the barony of fighters, and they will receive tithes equal to 20 gold pieces per inhabitant per year. The dwarves may opt only for the fighting class, and they may never progress beyond the 6th level, Myrmidon. Their advantages are they have a high level of magic resistance, and thus they add 4 levels when rolling saving throws. A 6th level dwarf equals a 10th level human. 2. They are the only characters able to fully employ the plus 3 magic warhammer, explained in Book 3. 3. They note slanting passages, traps, shifting walls and new constructions in underground settlings. Settings and 4. They are able to speak the languages of gnomes, kobolds and goblins, in addition to the usual tongues. See languages in this book. Elves can begin as either fighting men or magic users and freely switch class whenever they choose from adventure to adventure, but not during the course of a single game. Thus they gain the benefits of both classes, and may use both weaponry and spells. They may use magic armour and still act as magic users. However, they may not progress beyond 4th level fighting man, nor 8th level magic user. Elves are more able to note secret and hidden doors. They also gain the advantages noted in the chainmail rules when fighting certain fantastic creatures. Finally, elves are able to speak the languages of orcs, Hobgoblins and gnolls, in addition to their own elvish and the other usual tongues. Halflings. Should any player wish to be one, he will be limited to the fighting men class as a halfling. Halflings cannot progress beyond the fourth level, but they will have magic resistance equal to dwarves, at four levels for saving throws, and they will have deadly accuracy with missiles, as detailed in Chainmail other character types. There is no reason that players cannot be allowed to play as virtually anything, provided they begin relatively weak and work up to the top, i.e. a player wishing to be a dragon would have to begin as, let us say, a young one and progress upwards in the usual manner, steps being predetermined by the campaign referee. Character alignment including various monsters and creatures. Before the game begins, it is not only necessary to select a role, but it is also necessary to determine what stance the character will take – Law, Neutrality or Chaos. Character types are limited as followed by this alignment. Law – Men. An asterisk indicates that the same name appears in both the Law and Neutrality columns. An underline indicates that the name appears in both the Neutrality and Chaos columns. Halflings, Patriarchs, Treants, Unicorns, Pegasi, Hippogriffs, Elves. An asterisk indicates that the name appears in both the Law and Neutrality columns. Lycanthropes. An asterisk indicates that the name appears in both the Law and Neutrality columns. An underline indicates that the name appears in both the neutrality and chaos columns. Rocks, asterisk. Dwarves, gnomes, asterisk. Centaurs, asterisk. Neutrality, men, asterisk. Underlined. Nixies, pixies, dryads, griffins, animals, elves, asterisk rocks asterisk dwarves gnomes asterisk lycanthropes asterisk underlined orcs underlined ogres underlined dragons underlined wyverns centaurs asterisk hydri purple worms Sea monsters, chimeras, but not chimera. Right? interesting, minotaurs, giants. Those last three were all underlined. Chaos, men, asterisk, underlined, evil high priests, goblins, kobolds, hobgoblins, gnolls, giants, underlined, orcs, underlined, Ogres, underlined, trolls, whites, lycanthropes, underlined, asterisk, ghouls, wraiths, mummies, spectres, vampires, medusae, manticores, gargoyles, gorgons, minotaurs, underlined dragons underlined chimeras underlined changing character class while changing class for other than elves is not recommended the following rule should be applied in order for men to change class they must have a score of 16 or better in their prime requisite see below of the class they wish to change to and this score must be unmodified a cleric with a strength of 15, for example, should not become a fighting man. In any event, magic users cannot become clerics, and vice versa. Prior to the character selection of uh, by players, it is necessary for the referee to roll three six-sided dice in order to rate each as two various abilities, and thus aid them in selecting a role. Categories of ability are Strength, Intelligence, Wisdom, Constitution dexterity, and charisma. Each player notes his appropriate scores, obtains a similar roll of three dice to determine the number of gold pieces. Dice score times 10. He starts with, and then opts for a roll. A sample of the record of a character appears like this. Nime, at Nime? Name, Sylarthen. Class, magic user. Strength, six. Intelligence, 11. Wisdom, 13. Constitution 12, Dexterity 9, Charisma 8, Gold Pieces 70, Experience 0. This supposed player would have progressed faster as a Cleric, but because of a personal preference for Magic, opted for that class. With a strength of only 6, there was no real chance for him to become a fighter. His Constitutional score indicates good health and the ability to take punishment of most forms. As uh, dexterity of nine, low average, means that he will not be particularly fast nor accurate. He is below average in charisma, but not hopelessly so. Explanation of abilities. The first three categories are the prime requisites for each of the three classes, fighting men, magic users and clerics. See the bonuses and penalties to advancement due to abilities table, which appears hereafter. Strength is a prime requisite for fighters. Clerics can use strength on a three-for-one basis in their prime requisite area, wisdom, for purposes of gaining experience only. Strength will also aid in the opening of traps and so on. Intelligence is a prime requisite for magical types. Both fighters and clerics can use it in their prime requisite areas, strength and wisdom respectively, on a two-for-one basis. Intelligence will also affect referees' decisions as to whether or not certain action would be taken and it allows additional languages to be spoken. Wisdom is the prime requisite for clerics. It may be used on a 3-for-1 basis by fighters and on a 2-for-1 basis by magic users in their respective prime requisite areas. Wisdom rating will act much as does that for intelligence wisdom rating will act much as does that for intelligence. Constitution is a combination of health and endurance. It will affect such things as the number of hits which can be taken, and how well the character can withstand being paralysed, turned to stone, etc. Dexterity applies to both manual speed and conjuration. It will indicate the character's missile ability and speed with actions such as firing first, getting off a spell, etc. Charisma is a combination of appearance, personality and so forth. Its primary function is to determine how many hirelings of unusual nature a character can attract. This is not to say that he cannot hire men at arms and employ mercenaries, but the charisma function will affect loyalty of even these men. Players will, in all probability, seek to hire fighting men, magic users and or clerics in order to strengthen their roles in the campaign, A player character can employ only as many as indicated by his charisma score. So charisma score 3 to 4, maximum number of hirelings 1, loyalty base minus 2. 5 to 6, 2 hirelings, maximum minus 1 loyalty base. 7 to 9, 3 maximum number of hirelings, no modification to loyalty base. 10 to 12, 4 maximum number of hirelings, no modification to loyalty base. 13 to 15, 5, maximum number of hirelings, plus 1 to loyalty base. 16 to 17, maximum number of hirelings, 6, plus 2 to loyalty base. Charisma score, 18, maximum number of hirelings, 12, loyalty base, plus 4. In addition, the charisma score is usable to decide such things as whether or not a witch capturing a player will turn him into a swine or keep him enchanted as a lover. Finally, Charisma will aid a character in attracting various monsters to his service. Bonuses and penalties to advancement due to abilities. Low score is three to eight, average is nine to 12, high is 13 to 18. Prime requisite, 15 or more, add 10% to earned experience. Prime requisite, 13 or 14, add 5% to earned experience. Prime requisite, nine to 12, average, no bonus or penalty. Prime requisite of eight or seven, Minus 10% from earned experience. From requisite, 6 or less. Minus 20% from earned experience. Constitution, 15 or more, add plus 1 to each hit die. Constitution, 13 or 14, will withstand adversity. Constitution of 9 to 12, 60 to 90% chance of survival. Constitution, 8 or 7, 40 to 50% chance of survival. Constitution, six or less, minus one from each hit die. Dexterity above 12, fire any missile at plus one. Dexterity under nine, fire any missile at minus one. There's a minimum score of one on any hit die, including constitutional modifiers. Note, average scores are 9 to 12. Units so indicated above may be, may be used to increase prime requisite total insofar as this does not bring that category below average, i.e. below a score of 9. Languages. The common tongue spoken throughout the continent is known by most humans. All other creatures and monsters which can speak have their own language, although some, 20%, also, know the common one. Law, chaos, and neutrality also have common languages spoken by each, respectively. One can attempt to communicate through the common tongue, a uh, language particular to a creature class, or one of the divisional languages, law, etc. While not understanding the language, creatures who speak a divisional tongue will re- recognize a hostile one and attack. Characters with an intelligence above 10 may learn additional languages. One language for every point above 10 intelligence factors. Thus, a man with an intelligence level of 15 could speak seven languages, i.e. the common tongue, his divisional language, and five creature languages. Of course, magic uses spells and some magic items will enable the speaking and understanding of languages. Non-player characters. In all probability, the referee will find it beneficial to allow participants in the campaign to hire into service one or more characters. At times, this may be nothing more than a band of mercenaries hired to participate in and share the profits from some adventure. However, it is likely that players will be desirous of acquiring a regular entourage of various character types, monsters and an army of some form. Non-player characters can be hired as follows. Only the lowest level of character types can be hired. The player wishing to hire a non-player character advertises by posting notices at inns and taverns, uh, frequents public places seeking the desired hireling, or sends messengers to whatever place a desired character type will be found. Elfland, Dwarfland, etc. This costs money and takes time, and the referee must determine Expenditures. Once some response has been obtained, the player must make an offer to tempt the desired character type into his service. As a rule of thumb, a minimum offer of one hundred gold pieces would be required to tempt a human into service. Dwarves are more interested in gold. Magic users and elves desire magical items, and clerics want some assurance of having a place of worship in which to house themselves. Monsters can be lured into service if they are the same basic alignment as a player character or they can be charmed and thus ordered to serve. Note, however, that the term monster includes men found in the dungeons, so in this way some high-level characters can be brought into a character's service, charisma allowing or through a charm spell. Some rewards must be offered to a monster in order to induce it into service, not just sparing its life, for example. The monster will react with the appropriate pluses or minuses according to the offer. The referee rolling two six-sided dice and adjusting for charisma. Dice score, reaction. Dice score two, reaction, attempts to attack. Three to five, hostile reaction. Six to eight, uncertain. Nine to eleven, accepts offer. Twelve, enthusiastic, loyalty plus three. An Uncertain Reaction does uh, leave the door open to additional reward offers, but scores under 6 do not. Capture of Non-Player Monsters Morale dice can cause a man or intelligent monster to attempt to surrender or become subdued. When this happens, an offer of service can be made, assuming that communication is possible. As outlined above, subdued monsters will obey for a time without any need to check their reactions and such monsters are saleable. See Book 2. Loyalty of non-player characters, including monsters. Men, dwarves, and elves will serve as retainers with relative loyalty, so long as they receive their pay regularly, are treated fairly, are not continually exposed to extra hazardous duty, and receive bonuses when they are taking part in some dangerous adventure. Dangerous Venture judgment of this matter is before subjective on the part of the campaign referee but there is a simple guideline when one or more such characters are taken into service a loyalty check is made by rolling three six-sided dice adjustments are made for charisma and initial payments uh, initial payments for service and the loyalty of the characters noted by the referee the player will not have any knowledge of what it is without some method of reading minds Loyalty score, morale. Loyalty score 3 or less. will desert at first opportunity. 4 to 6, minus 2 on morale dice. 7 to 8, minus 1 on morale dice. 9 to 12, average morale dice. 13 to 14, plus 1 on morale dice. 15 to 18, plus 2 on morale dice. 19 and above, need never check morale non player characters and men at arms will have to make morale checks using the above reaction table or chain mail whenever a highly dangerous or unnerving situation arises. Poor morale will mean that those in question will not perform as expected. Periodic rechecks of loyalty should be made. Length of service, rewards etc. will bring additional pluses. Poor treatment will bring minuses. Relatives, the referee may allow players to designate one relative of his character to inherit his possessions if, for any reason, the participant unexpectedly disappears, with or without death being positively established, for a period of one game month. Let us say, at this time, the relative would inherit the estate of the character, paying a ten percent tax on all goods and monies. The relative must start at the lowest level of the class he opts for, but we, he will have to take—he uh, will have the advantage of the inheritance. If the character returns, he takes possession of his estate once more. Referee's option as to a willingness of the relative to give it up, but must pay an additional 10% tax in order to regain his own. Optionally, the relative may be allowed to stay on as a non-player character in the service of the player character. Loyalty of the relative in such a circumstance would be at a penalty of from 0 to minus 6, and he would possibly intrigue to regain control. Characters without a relative will lose all their possessions should they disappear and not return before whatever period is designated as establishing death. Basic Equipment and Costs It will be necessary for players to equip their characters with various basic items of equipment. Selection of items is strictly up to the players and gold pieces are taken away accordingly. Uh, players may sell to one another, of course, and then gold pieces would be transferred. Item Dagger Cost 3 gold pieces. Hand axe 3 gold pieces. Mace 5 gold pieces. Sword 10 gold pieces. Battle axe 7 gold pieces. Morning star 6 gold pieces. Flail 8 gold pieces. Spear one gold piece, polearm, seven gold pieces, Halbard seven gold pieces, two-handed sword, fifteen gold pieces, lance, four gold pieces, pike, five gold pieces, short bow, twenty-five gold pieces, long bow, forty gold pieces, composite bow, 50 gold pieces, light crossbow, 15 gold pieces, heavy crossbow, 25 gold pieces, quiver of 20 arrows, 10 gold pieces, case with 30 quarrels, 10 gold pieces, 20 arrows, 30 quarrels, 5 gold pieces, silver tipped arrow, 5 gold pieces, mule, 20 gold pieces. Draft horse, 30 gold pieces, light horse, 40 gold pieces, war horse, medium, 100 gold pieces, war horse, heavy, 200 gold pieces, saddle, 25 gold pieces, saddle bags, 10 gold pieces, cart, 100 gold pieces, wagon, 200 gold pieces, raft, 40 gold pieces, small boat, 100 gold pieces, small merchant ship, 5,000 gold pieces. Large merchant ship. 20,000 gold pieces. Small galley. 10,000 gold pieces. Large galley. 30,000 gold pieces. Item. Leather armour. Cost. 15 gold pieces. Chain type mail. 30 gold pieces. Plate mail. 50 gold pieces. Helmet. 10 gold pieces. Shield. 10 gold pieces. Barding horse armour. 150 gold pieces. 50 foot of rope, one gold piece. 10 foot pole, one gold piece. 12 iron spikes, one gold piece. Small sack, one gold piece. Large sack, two gold pieces. Leather backpack, five gold piece is. Water, wine skin one gold piece. Six torches, one gold piece. Lantern, ten gold pieces. Flask of oil, two gold pieces. Three stakes and mallet, three gold pieces. Steel mirror, five gold pieces. Silver mirror, small, fifteen gold pieces. Wooden cross, two gold pieces. Silver cross, twenty-five gold pieces. Holy Water, Vial, 25 gold pieces. Wolvesbane, Bunch, 10 gold pieces. Belladonna, Bunch, 10 gold pieces. Garlic, Bud, 5 gold pieces. Wine, Quart, 1 gold piece. Iron Rations for Dungeon Expeditions, 1 person per week, 15 gold pieces. Standard Rations for 1 person 1 week. 5 gold pieces. Other items cost may be calculated by comparing to similar items listed above. Weight which can be carried. Weight of a man, 1750 coins. Load in gold pieces equal to light foot movement, 12 inches, 750 coins. Load in gold pieces equal to heavy foot movement, 9 inches, 1000 coins. Load in gold pieces equal to armed foot movement 6 inches, 1,500 coins. Leather armor or saddle, 250 coins. Chain type armor, 500 coins. Plate mail or horse armor, 750 coins. Helmet, 50 coins. Shield, 150 coins. Pole arms, halberd, pike, two-handed sword, each 150 coins. Morning star, flail, battle axe, each 100 coins. Sword, mace, hand axe, bow and arrows each 50 coins. Dagger, 20 coins. Miscellaneous equipment, rope, spikes, bags, etc. 80 coins. Maximum load per person at half normal movement, 3,000 coins. Example, employing encumbrance. A character equips himself with the following. Plate armour, 750 coins. Helmet, 50 coins. Shield, 150 coins. Flower, 100 coins bow, quiver and 20 arrows, 50 coins, dagger 20 coins, miscellaneous equipment, 80 coins, total 1,200 coins. The character would move at the speed of an armoured footman, 6 inches per turn. He could pick up an additional 300 gold pieces weight of treasure and incur no movement penalty. Weight over 1,500 would incur the penalty of half speed noted above, although equipment should be discarded in order to avoid this penalty. Weights and Equivalents One coin, copper, silver or gold, one coin. One small sack holds 50 coins. One large sack or bag holds 300 coins. One scroll or piece of jewellery, 20 coins. One potion or wineskin, 30 coins. One flagon or chalice, 50 coins. One wand with case, 100 coins. One staff with case, 300 coins. One gem, one coin. That concludes the first part of the reading of book one of the original Dungeons & Dragons uh, booklets, Men & Magic. Uh, we will continue this series another day, uh, picking up with levels and number of experience points necessary to attain them for fighting men, magic users, and clerics. Okay, Uh I hope you enjoyed listening.